I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also reach me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. I'm Louis Shackshaft. Uh, you can find, just search my handle on Twitter is my name. I'm a football writer, blogger, Sheffield Wednesday fan, so do plenty of stats on those. And happy to be on the podcast once again. Hi, I'm Jake. You get me on Twitter at jjackball with two N's and I write for EPL Index. Yeah, cheers for joining me me today guys um we'll take it to you first louis obviously a few games postponed this weekend due to fa cup but if you want to take us through the the weekend results in the championship yeah all on saturday at 3 p.m like you say not too many to run through but starting with aston villa they got a 2-1 victory no surprise there against bottom team ipswich uh next fixture predicted a 1-1 draw in this one but a huge win for blackburn uh, continuing their great run of form 3-0 against hull city uh, clash at the top, um, second and third, which was uh, Norwich and Sheffield United ending in a score draw, two all there. Uh, again, probably no surprise, but Nottingham Forest winning at home 3-1 against Wigan. Leeds, obviously, much needed win, especially with the other two dropping points. Uh, 2-1 victory away at Rotherham in the Yorkshire derby. And then finally, a great away win for Preston. Uh, keeping a clean sheet also, uh, thanks to a Declan Rudd penalty save. Um, away at Stoke, uh, Preston winning 2-0 in that game. Yeah, I was delighted with our win, to be honest. Ever since Jake mentioned, uh, probably about a month ago now on the podcast, that he was tipping us for the playoffs, we've been in an awful run of form. So, last two games, obviously, to you know turn it around and sort of try and focus on pushing back towards the playoff now. Uh, delighted personally for that. Um, but to focus on the league as a whole, and we'll come to you first on this, Louis. Are there any players in particular that stood out for you this weekend, uh, positive or negatively? Yeah, I've got a few, obviously. First of all, as, as I've already mentioned, Declan Rudd keeping a clean sheet against Stoke. Um, and, obviously, the penalty save makes him one of the candidates for Player of the Week for me. Um, but then the other ones that I've picked out, and I'm sure... Jake will probably agree with him so he can go into more detail. So I'll quickly name them. First one for me, Tammy Abraham scoring a brace versus Norwich. Uh, the second one was uh, Click for Leeds scoring a brace against Rotherham. Uh, and then finally, Billy Sharp obviously scoring a brace against Norwich. So, um, yes, all, all those players for me I've picked out four. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Jake's probably going to go into a bit more detail about a couple of those. Yeah, I can go into a bit more detail about a couple of those, Louis. Don't worry, I'll, I'll do that for you. Um, so you mentioned Tammy Abraham, who, of course, uh, got two goals against Ipswich and what was a big win for Aston Villa. Um, this season, they've sort of had a lot of draws, failed to win games, uh, despite having you know the goals and the quality they have in their team. So this was a big win, even though it's against the bottom of the table, Ipswich was a bit nervy towards the end, so it's a huge win. And it takes Tammy Abraham up to 19 goals from 23 matches which is a phenomenal record in any league uh and yeah he's looks like he's going to be staying at aston villa for the rest of the season so it'll be interesting to see how many score uh how many goals he can get before before the end of the season uh another player i'd like to go into a little bit more is adam armstrong for blackburn i thought he was very good uh on saturday he got the first goal uh has now scored three goals and got one assist in his last four matches with a goal contribution a goal contribution at each game so he's in really good form and looks to be um, really building some momentum at this point of the season and Blackburn uh, we spoke about them a little bit last week uh, are a team that are moving up that table into eighth position now just three points off the playoffs albeit with a game um, an extra game played to the two teams above them but you know they are doing well and they've got four wins on the bounce now so they're a team that are really on the up 
Uh, so yeah, they're the two players for me that really stood out this weekend. Yeah, I think for me, uh, there's two definitely. One you touched on, Louis, uh, Klitsch at Leeds. Talking to sort of a few Leeds fans, I know before Bielsa came in, he was you know really quite an afterthought last season. So I know he started the season really well for Leeds, and he's been pivotal in that midfield. But to come up with two important goals in you know a game where, especially where Rotherham went one 0 up and they were one 0 up at half time, you thought that could be a potential banana skin for for Leeds. For him to come up with the goal just after half time really set the tone for them in the second half and then obviously getting the winner with about five minutes to go vital for them to keep the pressure on on the um sort of the teams around them at the top and obviously with Norwich's draw they've they've pulled you know three points ahead now with a better goal difference so three points clear and they can afford to to drop a few points obviously they did want to win as many as possible um between now and the end of the season but they've given that sort of real cushion now um so yeah really impressed with Klitsch at the weekend um one that I'd like to touch on uh, from a personal point of view, Alan Brown for Preston. Um, absolutely fantastic. He got nominated as one of the three players to be in the, the Quest uh, TV, who did the Football League show highlights. Now they're sort of player of the weekend. You know, absolutely fantastic. And with the likes of, of Ben Pearson missing through injury, uh, not injury, sorry, suspension, over the last sort of few weeks, Alan Brown's really stepped up. And that. I think that's 10 goals now in the league this season for him. You know, absolutely fantastic. The last few years, especially on the podcast, I've been crying out for a player from midfield that can get into double figures to take the burden off the strikers somewhat. We haven't really had a striker over the last few years who gets into sort of the the mid-teens to sort of low 20s for goals for the season. So to have a midfielder who can do that, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, for a player who's still only young he's really sort of thriving in that role as the number 10 at the moment and you know I'd be hard pressed with the exception of maybe Grealish and Bradley Dack to find a more sort of important player in that role um, for their club at the moment um, but the other one I want to touch on um, obviously Billy Sharp you know got the two goals for Norwich and Norwich this season have been that team who've really sort of got the goals when it mattered at the end and it was sort of roles reversed this week playing Sheffield United, you know, getting the, the penalty just before half-time and then scoring the equaliser with about 10 minutes to go and then uh, very sort of uh, apt celebration with the uh, sort of the Royal Rumble this week. He did the Mick Foley celebration, which obviously has been shared a load over Twitter. So that was nice to see. And, you know, for a player who's uh, Sheffield United um, sort of legend now, I, I guess you could say at, at that club, for, for him to sort of carry on the goal-scoring form he's been in this season, you know, great for him. And I think Sheffield United are going to be that team that really push sort of Leeds and, and Norwich far over the next sort of couple of months going into the, the tail end of the season. Um, but sort of moving on from individual players, is there a game in particular for sort of win of the weekend that stand out for you, Louis? Yeah, I've picked out a couple, to be honest, so I'll keep it short and sweet because, like we said, there's not many games played this weekend. Uh, but first and foremost, it's the Blackburn victory. I really never expected Blackburn to win that convincingly against a Hull side, which I believe were unbeaten in eight. Uh, however, at home, we know Blackburn can play decent football. That's four wins out of four for them now. Um, obviously near the top of the form table also and keeps them in touching distance of the playoffs, uh, three points off Derby. So a clean sheet also in that game, which surprised me for Blackburn. But that's probably my biggest win of the week. The only other one really would probably be Leeds, obviously getting that win, which keeps them at the top of the table. They were probably expected to beat Rotherham. However, going 1-0 down, obviously, and then like we've mentioned, in Cleek with a, a brace of goals there. Um, but it's, it's a big win, you know, for, for the fact that Norwich City and Sheffield United both drew. So two points gained there for Leeds at the top of the table. Yeah, for me, it's not a win, but I reckon Sheffield United managed to get back to two all against Norwich was a, was a huge result for them. If they hadn't have got that equaliser, they'd have been six points off Norwich uh, and it would have looked very difficult for them to to make up that ground. So it was crucial that they didn't lose that game, especially after their loss the previous weekend. So yeah, I thought that was a huge result and one that keeps them in touch and distance um, with a superior goal difference as well over Norwich. So it, is, it was it was very important that they didn't lose that game. They didn't, and now they remain free in touch to that top two. So, so yeah, that, that was a huge result for them. 
Yeah, I think for me, obviously, the games that you've touched on there, I think the Leeds one, massive for them, you know, especially coming from a goal down and, and winning it sort of right at the death like they did, you know, it keeps the pressure on that, that chasing pack on them and keeps them three points ahead, as I touched on earlier. And I think, yeah, not necessarily win of the weekend, as Jake mentioned, that Sheffield United result is absolutely fantastic for them and it really puts the pressure on Norwich now. I believe their next game is away at Leeds United. So great opportunity for Sheffield United at the weekend to sort of move into second and really sort of the pressure is on Norwich now. They've been sort of in and around that top two all season. And I think these two games especially are going to be, Obviously, they drew the Sheffield game, but the Leeds one especially going to be a real test to see where they are at at the moment. Um, sort of a few people sort of that I've been speaking to expect Norwich to drop off. So if they can go to Allen Road and get a positive result, it'll you know silence a few doubters who expect them to slip up um, sort of over the next few weeks. So be interesting to see how that one goes come Saturday tea time. But obviously, we touched on the fact that there were only sort of a handful of games in the league this week, and that's mainly due to the fact that. Quite a few championship teams, you know, were still in the FA Cup and, and having decent cup runs this year. Um, we'll come to you first on this, Louis. Obviously, Sheffield Wednesday went out away at Chelsea, which I think many expected Chelsea to win that game. But mm-hmm. as championship and maybe League One teams as a whole, do you see, obviously, clubs like to go far in these cup competitions to to get good draws, you know, earn a bit of extra revenue, especially now while the transfer window's open. But do you see it as a hindrance, or do you think a good cut run can be sort of part of a successful season? Um, I think it all depends on your expectations. So, for example, let's take the teams who are in the top six at the championship at the minute, um, from Leeds right down to Derby. I think, you know, some of those clubs are out of the FA Cup already, I know that. But, you know, a, a good cup run for them could possibly hinder their promotion chances uh, and for that reason I, I believe that every team in the championship um, pretty much you know probably 20 teams out of the 24 would, would put the league ahead of any cup competition um, but having said that you know that's that's looking from a perspective of a team who's fighting for promotion another team that's let's say um, mid-table so maybe 10th right down to 18th uh, a, a good cup fixture and, and a victory in the cup against maybe a, a lower league Premier League team or pulling off a shot can also give your team a confidence boost. So I can see that sometimes it works for the teams probably more so, like I say, in, in, in the bottom half of the table. But having said that, the teams that are near the top fighting for promotion, it's, you know, but, but players can get injured. Um, this time of year, we always talk about how crucial it is, the winter months, you know, where you need to be at your best. And and you, you can basically, you know, find yourselves at the top of the league with, with a great run of form this time of year, like, like we've talked about, obviously, Blackburn giving it a push now and teams like Sheffield United who've, who've gone on a, a good run at Christmas and, and, and the FA Cup can disrupt that. Yeah, so it's in, interesting, like I say, it's all about the club's expectations. Um, however, it's also about that financial gain. And, and like, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday were quite lucky to get a draw against Chelsea. Yes, we expected to lose that game. And yes, we have gone out the cup. However, it's been reported that Wednesday gained about half a million pound. Obviously, there's the TV rights as well from that fixture alone. So even though it's beneficial, let's say, off the field, um, on the field, I still believe that, yes, it can disrupt a season. And I believe that was a bit of the downfall that happened to Bristol City only a couple of seasons ago where they got to the semi-final against Manchester City in the uh, League Cup. And if you know, if they haven't gone on that fantastic run, which they did, they, they might have found themselves in the playoffs. So that's that's the example I can think of. Um, but yeah, it's like I say, it's all down to the expectations of the club, I think. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I think this year, though, in particular, the FA Cup is, is offering a real opportunity to get somewhere. Uh, I think I read 13 Premier League clubs already out of the competition, including three of the top six. So... Yeah, you know, there's a real opportunity for for at least one or two championship clubs to go quite deep in the competition. I think that that's always got to be looked at as a positive. I can't see uh, many negatives, especially for the teams that are left in the competition. Um, you know, the only one you'd say is maybe you know the only two you'd say are maybe a, a Middlesbrough and Derby who who could perhaps do without uh, the extra games and the workload as Louis touched on. But you know, you got Swansea still in the competition, uh, QPR. 
they're, they're two teams that could really benefit from uh, a cup run, uh, especially Swansea, because I think they're a team uh, going places underground. But I think that the, the fans are starting to really believe in, in what's going on there. Uh, and a cup run would only increase and, and improve that uh, further. So I think for them, it's a, it's a huge comp- it's a huge opportunity to to really accelerate the the work that's already going on there. So yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, another one of Bristol City. I know they're still in the competition. And they could probably do without it, given they're in third position at the moment. But you know, it's it's one of those difficult ones. Uh, and, and I think if if you're a fan, you always want your club to to do well in cup competitions, uh, even if you are competing in the league as well. So it, it's just important to get that balance balance act right. And I think, <coughs> as opposed to Premier League teams, who who aren't used to playing as many games, at least those in the Championship are used to, um, you know, used to playing twice every week. So so yes, there are extra games, but is it that much? On what is already an intense workout, I think, uh, workout uh, and schedule. I don't think it really is. I think they can cope with those extra, you know, five, four, five, six games because I don't think it's going to be any more than that. So yeah, so I, I think clubs should take it seriously, and I, uh, and I think those are the season will benefit from it purely because those in the Premier League aren't taking it seriously, and and, and there is an opportunity to to go deep in the competition. And there's moments like Millwall on Saturday showed, you know, you get those moments beating a Premier League club. They are, they are priceless and, and they can have a positive effect on your league form as well. Really, you know, play into that and, and make sure you achieve your aims there as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of benefits. And, and for me, I think you should always treat both competitions with, with the same respect and, and just be clever with the rotation and the teams that you do play in 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 the competition because I, you know i i think there's a lot of benefits from it and i think we'll see that this season with with the amount of premier league teams that are already out yeah i agree with what you two have said i think on one hand obviously you look at the teams in the championship this weekend who've drawn in the fa cups you look at middlesbrough for example drawing at home to newport and Looking at the lineup that they played, it's you know a fairly strong Middlesbrough side to be honest. So from that sense, you know it can be a, a hindrance. Obviously, Jake touched on the the extra games. Uh, I think depending on if they rotate or they play their starting eleven, you know that can be seen as a, a hindrance or a good opportunity to get players who aren't pay, playing regularly sort of game time. But I think looking down, obviously Middlesbrough. QPR drawing away at Portsmouth and and playing sort of a relatively strong team as well. I don't think they'd sort of welcome the extra sort of games at the moment, especially QPR, you know, and Middlesbrough chasing the playoffs. I think their sole focus would want to be on that. Um, But you look at the likes of of Derby, um, where I think it has hindered them a little. You know, granted, they they got the 1-0 win at Accrington at the weekend, but, you know, Bogle, who's been sort of one of the starters for them, sort of mainly throughout the, the first half of the season getting sent off. So that'll mean he'll he'll miss the Preston game and, and Mason Mount going off halfway through the first half um, with what looked like an injury as well. So, you know, from that sense, two players who, you know, will now be well, one definitely out and the other doubtful for the game on Friday against Preston. So from that point of view, obviously, you know, managers will probably see that as a hindrance. But, you know, as, as Jake mentioned, especially this year with the amount of Premier League teams that are out already, offers a great opportunity to, you know, go deep in the competition. And with the semi-finals been at Wembley, you know, teams are now only, you know, one or two games away from, you know, playing at Wembley where they might sort of have to wait, you know, 10, 15 years for that opportunity. So I think definitely this season, the FA Cup can be seen as a positive. And I think there's been a lot more sort of interest in it this year, um, especially compared to recent years. I think the, the Millwall-Everton game and the Wimbledon-West Ham game were sort of two of the most watched FA Cup games sort of from the fourth round in, in recent years. So there's definitely the interest for it. And I think Championship and League One downward sides especially should take it really seriously. Obviously, the Premier League teams, you can see why they would rest players. You know, they've got the, the squads to do it. And there's that much pressure on managers these days to stay in the Premier League outside the top six that, you know, while they may seem to be taking it sort of less seriously than the Premier League, you know, the reward of staying in the Premier League, unfortunately, sort of from a, a traditionalist standpoint is, is much greater than, you know, having a good cut run and say losing in the quarterfinals for like a mid-table team. So can completely understand why they do it. But I think 
championship-wise, which we're focusing on, on, I think a good cut run, you know, can sort of help your season. You know, players get confidence. It, it creates a feel-good factor around the, the club and, you know, keeps fans coming on. So, uh, sort of from my point of view, definitely uh, a, a good cut run is, is something that, you know, all clubs should be aiming for. Um, just a shame Preston couldn't manage it this season. Um but just a quick on... one for you, James, on this one. Yeah. I've just seen the draw for the next round. Chelsea have Manchester United. So, again, it's a very, very good opportunity for Championship clubs this year to get to a final bounce, given Definitely, that there yeah. is only going to be two of the, at only, you know, at a maximum two of the top six clubs going into the sixth round. So, yeah, it's it's a huge opportunity. And I think, I think that just backs it up even more. Yeah, definitely, and I've just been, as you've said, that look through the draw as well, and obviously I've, I said about Championship and League One sides looking to go deep, Doncaster Rovers have been drawn at home against Crystal Palace, who, you know, Doncaster are the team that knocked out Preston, you know, they're in great form at the moment under Grant McCann, and, and you know, be surprised if, if there wasn't an upset in that game, and that gives Doncaster, you know, a quarter-final in the FA Cup, and, you know, potentially a game or two away from Wembley, um, depending on sort of the draw and and replay so yeah further backs up my point and obviously yeah jake mentioning that you know one of those teams are going to go out united at arsenal in the last round so you know that's another team already out so um offers a great opportunity and i think you know at the end of it city will probably end up winning it um but gives a great opportunity for a championship or or lower side or two to to really get into those deep stages of the competition um, but moving sort of away from the FA Cup and more sort of towards transfers that have, have come in over sort of the January transfer window, um, two that really stand out, um, obviously Ashley Cole linking up with Frank Lampard again at Derby County and John Obi Mikel going to Middlesbrough are two players who wealth of experience in the Premier League, you know, both playing for Chelsea. Um, do you think that these sort of players now are obviously getting on in terms of years but the experience that they can bring to sort of these clubs uh you know chasing the playoffs do you think that that experience can sort of help them or would you have liked to see sort of those clubs go out and get potentially younger players who you know may have sort of more sort of energy to to get through this long championship season i'll start with you first on this louis yeah i believe that it would have been better for these clubs to uh, i know they've got these players on free transfers, I believe. Um, but I would prefer them to go out and buy younger players who've obviously got more potential at this stage and obviously probably 10 years left in their locker. I mean, straight away, you look at Ashley Cole and linking up with Lampard does make sense. And But for, but I, I just look at his age, you know, 38. Yes, he has been a world-class left-back, you know, one of, one of the best in my era growing up as a teenager. And... I just, I just, yeah, I just wonder that question mark over what he has got to offer at the minute. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the, the season ends and he probably becomes a, a coach or something like that at Derby, you know, continuing to link up with with Lampard is, you know, I, I don't know if he's got much more to offer, you know, on, on the field of play. Off the field of play, though, you know, he's probably, he's obviously got that experience, the know-how. Um is probably going to be good for the dressing room. So it's kind of, I think that Cole going to Derby, Lampard's kind of said, look, I'll, I'll scratch yours back and, and you scratch ours. And I think, I'm not saying that Cole's there just for the paycheck, even though I could be right to an extent. It's just, he's, he's obviously been a great player in the past, but I think Derby, yeah, a, a team, they're obviously not going to, cash in on him in, in, in a couple of years or at the end of the season because, you know, he's, he's going to retire. So for that reason, I don't know whether it's a great move. Uh, on to Mikel, I mean, the thing that surprised me most about Obi Mikel is that actually he's only still 31, which I couldn't believe. I thought he'd have been about 35, 36 by now because he seems ages, it seemed like he was ages at Chelsea and it seems like ages ago since he was there. So uh, to be still only 31, like, like I say, did come as a surprise. Um, for me, though, you know, Mikel's probably not a bad signing, but I was surprised that 
I, I typically think as Mikel as a defensive midfielder, whereas Middlesbrough have got the be- best defensive record in the championship. And and to, I mean, I don't know what kind of wages he's on. I can't, you know, I can imagine it's it's quite a sum. So for me, that have been better probably spending that wage on maybe a, a, an attacking player or a, a winger even. So for that reason, again, I've still got a bit of a question mark over Obi Mikel going to Middlesbrough. Yes, it, it, again, will will strengthen the squad, um, but I think he's strengthened the squad probably in the wrong area. Uh, I'm not sure if you agree, but again, Mikel, both players have had Premier League experience, so, you know, they, they could prove me wrong. You know, Mikel could be one of the best players from now to the end of the season. I don't believe that Cole will be, um, but only time will tell on that one. Um, I think Mikel's probably a better signing of the two, uh, I'm just like I say, I'm I'm surprised it was Borough Watts took him on who don't technically, in my eyes, need um, cover for the defence. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think I disagree a little bit with Louis uh, on these two because the one thing I... The one problem I do have with Derby this year is they've got a lot of young players, and I think it's been read about a lot, uh, just, just how young their squad is. Uh, there are some experienced players scattered amongst those. You've got Curtis Davis, Bradley Johnson, um, Richard Keogh, uh, to, name, to name three, Tom Huddleston as well. But, you know, aside from those, I think it's a, it's a very young squad with, you know, uh, Lampard's given a lot of opportunities to, to those, like Max Lowe, who's played a few games, um, Jaden Bogle has played a lot for an 18-year-old. Uh, Tamori's playing a lot, and and Scott Malone, who, who was the left back that came in, hasn't played as much as Derby would have liked. And I've, I think Wisdom's played a lot on the left uh, left back. So I think it was a position they needed somebody to come in. And then Cole is a solid solid enough option. It's a short-term deal. There's no there's no pressure for Lampard to, to see it as as a problem solved. But with their current position in the league and, and still in the FA Cup as well. They needed another left-back and actually called somebody that will bring a lot of experience. I mentioned Jaden Bogle there. He's played 23 games this season for an 18-year-old. That's a lot. Uh, and, and he would benefit from somebody like Cole coming in uh, on the training ground just to, just to watch him, uh, see how he goes about things. And I'm sure Ashley Cole will have a lot of advice for him as a young fullback. So I think there's benefits from it in in that respect as well. So yeah, I think I think it's a, a a decent move. I'm not sure where he is in terms of his fitness and you know what he can still offer at this level. But I'm sure he's got something to offer, and I'm sure he he won't look out of place in the Championship team. I think he's got too much experience and too much you know intelligence to to get found out at this level too much. So I think it's a solid addition, and I think it complements the Derby scored quite well, especially what he will offer the young players on the training ground. So I think, I think it's quite a good signing uh, and one that with very little downside or potential downside. I don't think it's there's much risk to it. Uh, and in January, you don't really want a lot of risk. It, and if you're going to go out and try and sign your left back for the next 10 years, it'll probably be quite expensive at this time of year. So, so I think Lampard's right to bring Cole in for the rest of the season and, and address that in the summer. Um, with a more permanent solution down that left side. Um, John Obi Macau, haven't seen a lot of him um, since he left Chelsea. I um, think he's very much a Pulis signing. I think Pulis likes the experience of older players, and, and it's quite a coup for where Middlesbrough are at the moment. So, yeah, I, I, I prefer the Cole one to the Macau one, to be honest. I think he, it, there's 
there's a little risk with Cole, but I think with John Obi Macau, I think there will be a lot of pressure for him to play every game. Um, and he, they'll have to find a place for him. And I'm not sure if he's got the, you know, the physicality or the athleticism to really dominate games of this division. Uh, whereas I think with Cole, he's, he's in a less pressured position. And I think he's, I, you know, we've seen old fullbacks in the championship do fine before. And I think we'll, we'll see Ashley Cole do a fine job where, whereas Macau, I think he's in quite a, quite difficult position in the championship. I think in, in, in the midfield areas, there's a lot of, you know, athleticism, pace, um, and it's just very quick in those in in that that area of the pitch. So, it's gonna be difficult for him to be honest. Um, but I think it's very much a Pulis signing. Uh, I don't think we would have seen a Championship club signing him if it wasn't the Tony Pulis side. So, I think he quite likes being able to go and get that big name in, uh, and he's done that here. So it'll be interesting how it goes. But yeah, I I think Cole is a less risky one, and I, I and. You know, if you've got Frank Cloudpod as manager, there's no pressure for him to play Ashley Cole. There's there's absolutely no pressure and I'm sure he's not on a you know, it's he's probably on a short term contract and he would he'll play when he's needed to, but I don't think it'll be every game. So yeah, I think that one's just a, a clever one that just bulks up the squad a little bit and just covers him for for if there is any injuries, because I think left back is not one position where it hasn't quite gone to plan for Derby this year. Yeah, I think the the Ashley Cole one, sort of first of all, I think as Jake said, I think he's been brought in more so for cover. I'd, I'd still expect, obviously, sort of Friday night, especially, I think Andre Wisdom is nursing a groin strain still from, uh, I think it was the, the Leeds defeat. So I'd expect probably out of the two, Scott Malone to, you know, play there. Um, I think Cole more so, yeah, for the experience, as Jake mentioned, um, to be brought in for for what he can offer to the younger players especially with you know Chelsea having obviously uh, sorry Derby having the ties with Chelsea I think it, it fits quite nicely obviously Lampard knows exactly what he's getting with Cole um, as opposed to you know just scouting a player and signing him and it could be you know completely different when they actually get to the club obviously Lampard's known him for for however many years and I think more so as Jake mentioned yeah he'll be brought in for, for that experience around the camp and for Derby, you know, the amount of young players, again, as you mentioned, Jake, that they have got this season, especially sort of in the defensive areas, Tamori and, and Bogle, that'll be sort of crucial to to them, you know, mounting that push on the playoffs. I think the obi Mikel one was a bit sort of of a question mark one for me, I think, obviously. On the one hand, you know, experienced player, but can he keep up to the sort of the demands of the the championship you know having not played in the premier league or sort of a you know a fully com- or not competitive but high paced league um you know recently i think that'll come as a bit of a shock to him but you know with that experience you look at um sort of players that have have come in sort of huddleston at derby good example you know many people thought Obviously, he didn't have the legs to keep up, you know, with the the pace of the championship. But the quality he has on the ball, he creates his own space just by his movement. So, obviously, Mikel, I think, will be the one of the two that struggles more. But it will be interesting to see, you know, how he he sort of adapts. And I think if he's still got that sort of know-how about him from from his time at Chelsea, I think he'll do okay. Um, Whether Middlesbrough needed him or not, obviously, you mentioned, Louis, they've got, you know, the one of the best defensive records in the division at the moment. And he, he's by no means an attacking midfielder, um, Mikel. So, you know, that re- remains to be seen. But, you know, the more cover they have going into the business end of the season, especially one, as, as I mentioned, as, as experienced as, as Mikel, you know, can only aid them. And, you know, that experience it'll bring to them in the middle of the park will be absolutely vital um, and it gives you know players like Clayton uh, a bit of competition now so hopefully it, it kicks them on um, so yeah I think both of them are potentially low risk you know on free transfers the wages would be the only issue for me if they could have got someone in obviously on, on you know less money the potential's there than to go and sort of sign someone on a permanent basis but as Jake mentioned I think in Derby's case especially they'll look to address that left back spot in the summer um, so yeah it remains to be seen how how they both go but I think you know it's one to keep an eye on Um, but before we wrap up obviously we touched on uh, cut runs earlier and whether it can hinder teams and Bristol City you know start the season they struggled but you know over the last sort of few months they've really picked up and are currently sat seventh you know just outside the playoffs and 
the last sort of real time I remember Bristol having a good run and being outside the playoffs was the year that they, you know, beat Man United in the League Cup and then went out to City. And that sort of cup run did derail them a little bit that season. Um, you know, took their focus off the league and by the time they sort of got focused back on it was a bit too late to, to push on the playoffs. Do you think that this season can be different for them and, and do you expect them to go sort of up via the playoffs or do you expect them to sort of finish just sort of adrift outside them? I'll start with you first, Louis. Uh, the thing is with Bristol City for me is that obviously at the minute, they are convincing and they do look like they're one of the, the better teams in the league. You know, they're unbeaten in a lot of games. They've just won four on the bounce. They're the, you know, I, th- I think the first in the form table, or they are first in the form table now. Um, but the problem for me with Bristol City is that I don't think they're convincing over 46 games. And that's the problem is that they seem to have these uh, consistent highs in a season, but they also have a consistent low. And, you know, once you've gone up, you, you can only kind of come down. So for me, Bristol City are a team where, yes, they deserve to be where they are in the league, which is in touching distance to the playoffs. But for me, the teams that are in the playoffs at the minute, you know, Derby, Middlesbrough, West Brom and obviously Sheffield United are, are all still better teams for me. So, like I say, they've still got to convince me that they are better than such as your Derbys and your Middlesbrough. And, and at the moment, I, I don't think they are. They've done great to get to seventh because they were struggling at the beginning of the season. But I also, having said that, I'm probably being a little bit harsh because you, the teams I've already mentioned that above them have all got better, you know, on paper, uh, that that bit more quality player. And, and I think with Bristol City, Lee Johnson, obviously, many a time gets the best out of the players that he's got, but on paper again, that they're missing, you know, probably a 10 million pound midfielder and and a 10 million pound defender even. And and even if you look at obviously the the, the strikers that they've got, there's, there's no one what stands out, you know, they've they've got a couple of players that are scoring goals, but there's no one that's really probably going to get you 20 goals in a season. So for that reason, they deserve to be seventh, like I say, and you know, if, if, your derbies and your middles but slip up then Bristol City is certainly there to pounce um, but like I say again I expect at some point you know whether that's in February or, or even in March Bristol City will probably end up losing two or three games in, in, in a row as well so I'm not convinced by them yet but you know if they continue the way they are then who knows Yeah it's it's an interesting one with Bristol City I think um I agree with Louis. They're they're one of those clubs that that have these up and downs in a season, uh, and when you start to build them up, they have these runs of, of losing or or failing to win in seven, eight, nine games, and that just seems to be a consistent theme of of Lee Johnson's managerial career. It happened with Barnsley. It's happened a lot of Bristol City, and it's difficult to get too up about them um, with this many games to go. You know, you've still got just shy of twenty games left of the season. Um, they're going to have to show consistency to really break into that top six because I don't think any of those top six are going to drop off a lot. Um, you might see some of them drop a few more points than you expect, but I don't think they're going to fall completely off it. So Bristol City are going to have to be comp- on their game, as are any team in that chasing pack are going to have to be completely on it and show the consistency that they've failed to show to this point. So it's difficult. Um, for me, I think there are, there are two or three teams in that chasing pack that I prefer as a team potential in, uh, potentially in the playoffs. Uh, I think Aston Villa still, for me, once they find the ability to stop drawing games and winning a few more, they've got to be considered up there. Even though they've that's yet to happen yet, they're only four points off the playoffs. Uh, and, and I think it would be generally agreed by anybody that follows the championship that they've got the potential to be offering a lot more. So if they start to show that, they're one that you have to consider. I, I think... Um, Another one with Blackburn, I mentioned them earlier. I think they're ones that you have to look at. Um, they, they've got a lot of good players. And, and yeah, I think they've, they're a team that could break into that. And they've got that experience of winning promotion very recently. So that will stand them in good stead. Um, lower than that, still can't rule out Stoke. Although it hasn't gone great for Nathan Jones so far. I still think don't think you've ruled them out purely because of the quality they have and, and we know what Nathan Jones is like as a manager based on his time at Luton so if he does manage to get them really clicking over the next 
16, 17 matches. They could be ones to watch out for. Um, yeah, they're the three ones for me that I'm that I could see breaking in. Um, you know, I could see Bristol City, Swansea, or, or Birmingham or Hull as well. But I just think they've got to have a lot more going for them, and they've got to, you know, really show a lot more than they have done. Because uh, you know they're in a good position now, but. I'm not sure if they've peaked already and this is just their level and this is what they're going to continue showing. Whereas, you know, with Villa and, and Stoke, I think they could show a lot more than they have been. And yet they're still in that chasing pack. So I think, you know, those teams, that I'd I'd be more worried about if I was a Derby or a Middlesbrough. But, you know, Bristol City, they could easily do it. It's just based on recent, recent you know, recent form from them in, in previous seasons. It's It's unlikely that this is going to continue for too much longer. Yeah, I agree with you too in terms of Bristol about obviously the fact that they they do have these sort of peaks where they, you know, look like one of the best teams in the division but then can easily go on, you know, a losing streak as well. And over the course of the season that kinda of levels itself out and I think looking at obviously as you mentioned, Jake, the the teams in that chasing pack, I think they will probably just fall short. You know, we played them sort of about two or three months ago now and, you know, they did look sort of like an average sort of mid-table championship team, we you know came away with a one-nil win when we weren't playing our best, and it was during that period where we were really struggling as well. So, I think you know by no means do I think they'll have a particularly bad season. Um, probably about ninth or tenth, I'd, I'd expect them to finish you know just outside the playoffs. I think ultimately that you know ability to bounce between playing amazingly and, and winning games on a consistent basis, but then having that that opposite of, you know, playing badly and losing games. There's no sort of middle ground for them. So I think that is the reason why they'll, you know, probably just fall short this season. Um, but obviously, you know, we could be proved wrong. They could, you know, keep this run up. Obviously, as you mentioned, Louis, top of the form guide at the moment. Um, you know, why why can't they keep this run up? You know, going well in the FA Cup as well. And as I touched on earlier, that breeds, you know, a positive sort of atmosphere around the club. And, and you know, while they're playing well, you know they'll they'll continue to win games sort of on their day. They are one of the the better teams in the division. So you know it remains to be seen if they they will keep that up. But you know I think unfortunately for them they'll probably fall off and and just finish outside the playoffs. And that inconsistency will come back to haunt them. Um, but just before we wrap up, um, we'll sort of preview the games this weekend. There's three that we've chosen out. Uh, and we'll come to you first on this, Louis. Uh, the first game being Birmingham against Forest. Obviously, Birmingham, you know, doing really well by sort of where I tipped them, you know, to finish this season at the moment. Um, I noticed earlier on today there were rumours about uh, Che Adams potentially going to Southampton for around £8 million. So how do you see that game going? And do you think Birmingham will be able to keep hold of Che Adams and, and sort of push on for the playoffs in the second half of the season? Regarding Che Adams, I think it's just it's just down to the money, isn't it? It's you know down to the chairman. If if they're gonna, obviously, if if they they meet their asking price, then yes, he will go. Um, but I've, you know, onto the game. This this game is huge because you look at Forest and Birmingham, both. I wouldn't. Well, Forest have obviously a few points off the playoffs. Uh, Birmingham have drifted away. Um, this last four games, only drawing two and, and losing the last two games. So I'm not going to say it's a six-pointer, but if either of these teams are going to make a charge for that top six, it, it has to start now. Um, and for me, based on form, I'm going to predict a Nottingham Forest win, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm going to predict that Forest, you know, obviously getting the victory against Wigan um, last weekend, a 3-1 win, which they should be winning if they are going to make a charge for the playoffs, as I said. Um I think they're going to continue that, and with Birmingham just being on that bit of a slump this this well in in the back end of January, then yeah, I, I can't see anything other than maybe a draw. But I will predict a, a two one two one uh, away win for Forest there. Um, yeah, I'm going to go different. I think Birmingham are are going to pull this one out and win at home. I don't really rate Martin O'Neill as the manager anymore, as we touched on last week. I don't rate. Roy Keane, who's coming today as an assistant, so they beat Wigan, but I feel like everybody's beating Wigan at the moment, so I don't think that's too much to to buy into there. 
Burnley will do have a game tomorrow evening, so it, you know a lot could change with that if they beat Swansea. I'm sure Louis' opinion would change. So it's it's mm. one of those. But I think their for, their form at home has been pretty solid. I think, and I think they'll win this one. Um, yeah, I'll say one 0 I think they'll get the win. Well, I'm going to go completely different to both of you, so at least one of us will, will get it right. I'm going to go the draw in this game. I think Birmingham haven't won in the league looking sort of at their record since Boxing Day. Um, so, you know, not in the best of form at the moment, but Forrest have been, you know, very hit and miss over the last few weeks, you know, winning a few, losing a few. So looking, you know, down at the table especially, they're two, or the two joint teams along with Aston Villa who've drawn the most games this season. So, I think, you know, for me, I think this will be a draw. Um, I think there'll be goals in it. Um, both teams, you know, seem to have a habit of scoring goals, um, even when they're playing badly. So if I was to put a bet on, I'd go with, you know, a one or two all draw. Um, but yeah, draw for me in, in this game. Um, moving on to the next game, um, and a sort of pivotal game for teams in and around the playoffs. Um, we'll go to you first again, Louis, on this. West Brom versus Middlesbrough. Um Obviously, West Brom joining the FA Cup uh, last weekend and Middlesbrough, we touched on with the new signings coming in. How do you see this game going and, and who would be your sort of winner in this, in this one? Yeah, there's some tough games to choose and predict this time. Um, obviously, West Brom, best attack. Middlesbrough, best defence. Um, West Brom being at home, so I've, I'm going to give them the advantage just for that reason. I'd always expect West Brom to score. Um and Norwich, uh, sorry, Middlesbrough away from home, I'm not entirely convinced that, you know, despite even bringing in players like Mikel, etc. Um, so for that reason, I'm just going to predict a, a 1-0 victory to, to West Brom in that game. And, and I still believe that West Brom, in my eyes, I, I think they're going to catch the top two. I, I really do. I think that they will get automatic promotion this season. And, you know, with teams that we're going to come on to, like Leeds and Norwich playing each other, this is this is a huge opportunity, opportunity for uh, West Brom to obviously find themselves in, in third position maybe and, and, and maybe only one or two points off the top two. And, yeah, I think West Brom are, are going to go all the way still this season. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go a victory for those and, and, and one nil in my eyes. All right, so we, we've got Tony Pulis going back to one of his former clubs here with Middlesbrough. Um, although Middlesbrough are normally better away from home, if we're looking at the table based on away form, they are up in fifth. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for them. I think West Brom have got so many goals in their team, and I think West Brom, alongside Sheffield United, are the two clubs that can really hope to break into that top two come the end of the season. I think they're going to see this as an opportunity to, to put some space between... Um, them and the team is below them. Um, Middlesbrough being one of them, then goes six points clear and Middlesbrough will win here. Uh, and I think they've got to be looking to do that. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a, a West Brom win in this one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with both of you and go for a West Brom win. I think uh, for sort of the point you made, Jake, obviously West Brom have got a lot of goals in them. And looking down at Middlesbrough's sort of form recently, you know, quite a few draws sort of after good wins. Uh, you know, I think they've kept one clean sheet in the last five in, in league and cup competitions. So, you know, while, you know, you'd expect them sort of looking at where they are on the table to go there and give West Brom a good game, I think West Brom will just sneak it maybe to 2-1. Um, but I think, yeah, that sort of inconsistency for, for Middlesbrough at the moment will be what, what cost them. You know, they've drawn quite a lot of games. And I think for that reason, yeah, I'm going to go with West Brom. And, and as you two have mentioned, I reckon West Brom are going to be the team that, you know, really does sort of put the, the pressure on the top two, uh, especially over the next month or so. Um, but the, the last game that we're going to cover, um, the, the late game on Saturday night, half five, Leeds versus Norwich that I touched on earlier. Um, how do you two see this game going? Obviously, first versus second, and what's interesting about this game, it gives you know teams like West Brom that we've mentioned, Sheffield United, a real incentive to go out and win. Not that they'd need it on Saturday, um, but you know to really sort of put the pressure on. I mean, if, if West Brom win um, and then win the game, and then they find themselves only a point behind Leeds, so uh, that obviously is if Norwich beat them. Um, how? Do you two see this game going and, and what would be a score prediction for you in this one? Oh, this is obviously a fixture and a half, isn't it? It's going to be tough to predict. Uh, it's on at 5.30 as well, isn't it? Like you mentioned on the TV. Um, 
I mean, first and foremost, you just expect goals and goals, really. Both both sides between them have scored 100 goals a season plus. Um, but again, with with Leeds being at home, I know home advantage is often key in fixtures like this. Um, just grabbing that momentum straight from the off, you know, the first 10, 15, 20 minutes can can really do one side a favour and, and, and even and, and kill off the other. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I think there is going to be goals. But, again, due to the home advantage and our Leeds have only lost um, two all season at home, I'm going to go 3-2 to Leeds in this one. And I expect, like I say, West Brom to win their game. And I think it could really be a tough fight for, for second for the remaining uh fixtures in, in, in the remainder of the season. But yeah, I think I think Leeds will win this one and and find themselves with a little bit of a gap which will do them a huge favour for the remainder, yeah. I think I would agree with Louis uh, on this one, which won't be a great surprise to to many listeners out there. I think Norwich won't have you know, if anyone won one of their last six matches, had a real opportunity to to really extend that gap over Sheffield United, but uh, lost the lead twice in that game there at home so you know that's going to have some sort of an effect even in that game Sheffield United managed 10 more shots at goal than Norwich did so even when they were the home team they were they were very much under the cosh for a lot of it and, and being you know having to def- do a lot more defending than attacking and going to Ellen Road uh, would be Elsa in these big games how obsessive he is he'll, he'll have a game plan to undo Norwich uh, and that win for Leeds over Rotherham would have given them a lot of positive, you know, momentum, and, and, and I'm sure the mood there is 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 buzzing, and they'll know that this is a a massive opportunity to put some gap uh, to put a gap between them and Norwich and do what Norwich failed to do last week against Sheffield United, and I don't think Leeds will be as you know throw that opportunity away. So I think they're going to do it, and I think they're going to move six points to at the top of the table. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be quite comfortable for them as well. I'd say two 0 Leeds. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you two again. Um, I think Leeds will get through this one. I think what will potentially cost Norwich, obviously Leeds, you know, great going forwards. Norwich, even though they've been sort of really sort of entertaining to watch this season, you know, they do leak a lot of goals. Um, they rely sort of quite heavily on outscoring their opponents and usually, you know, right to the death as, it, as it's been the case this season. So I think, Leeds will probably have a bit too much for them, um, sort of in the the offensive areas. So, I think Norwich will score in this game, but I'll see Leeds, you know, sort of comfortably winning. I think if I was to go for a score prediction, somewhat in between what you two have said, I think three one would be sort of the score I'd go for. Um, probably getting the Norwich goal would be Timo Pukki because he seems to score every time I check uh, Norwich's results at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think Leeds will, will just shade it. Um, but, you know, come out sort of winners in the end. And as, as you've said, Jake, move six points clear. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know where you can uh, be reached and any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. Yeah, so I'm at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter. Uh, I do a lot of football writing, blogging uh, and Sheffield Wednesday statistics. Yeah, and get me on Twitter, at Jake Jack with two N's. I write for EPL Index. Yeah, and you can reach me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. And more importantly, you can reach us on the show at Championship Pod. Be sure to give us a follow. Each episode that's most recent is our pinned tweet. And there's plenty to get involved in throughout the week as well. So give us a follow and you won't miss an episode. Um, But cheers for joining us today, guys. And we'll see you next time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.